All right, I want to pray one more time because I, I really feel like we just need to wait on His Spirit, kind of like what we did last week, and just wait for Him to, to, to direct what we're doing right now. Lord God, we invite you to just direct, Lord God. We ask that you would take away any distraction in our heart, Lord God, in our mind, Lord God, anything that would try to keep us from hearing clearly what you have for us tonight, Lord Jesus. Right now, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, come, Lord God. Just lift your hands up to him right now and invite him into your, into your heart and into your situation right now. Lord Jesus, we invite you into our situation, Lord God. We invite you into this place, Lord God. We invite you to be a part of what we're doing, Lord God. We invite you to take control of what we're doing because it's just as important to you as it is to us, Lord God. Even more important to you than it is to us, Lord God. Let us not forget that tonight, Lord Jesus, as we get into the Word, Lord God. This is important to you. We are important to you. You didn't call us for no purpose. You didn't call us to quit. You called us to succeed because it's your desire, Lord God. May we succeed because it's your desire, Lord God. Not our desire, your desire. We thank you and we praise you for that. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. Amen. So last week we started talking about treasures, how we have treasures in our heart, and how God likes to get into the, our hearts and develop those treasures and dig those treasures out from the inside and, and pull things that he, he planted inside of us from the very beginning, from our very beginning, from the very beginning of time. There's things that he designed, treasures that he planted inside of us for the purposes of bringing them forth for the purpose of, of digging them out and bringing them to the forefront. We're treasure hunters. God wants us to dig into our hearts and not dig constantly like we do looking for something that might be evil that we need to expel. The Holy Spirit's job is to expel anything that's evil in our hearts. It's easy. It's easy to search your own heart for evil. But the problem is, is you, you can't find it. Only God knows the desires of our hearts. Only God can get in there and dig out what's not good in our hearts and take it and cleanse us. Only God can cleanse us of our sins. Therefore, I don't think it's our job to search our own hearts for the sin. Our job is to submit to the Holy Spirit. To submit to God the Father and know when He brings something to the surface, He, he brings it to the surface so that it can be taken care of. He's going to take care of the sin. So what, are we, what should we be doing? We should be knowing that as he's digging through and taking care of the sin, all of a sudden there's a treasure that comes out. And our job is to look for those treasures that he's put deep inside of our hearts. They're going to come forth. It says this about us, about Christians in, in Corinthians. It says that we are earthen vessels, jars of clay. And if you go back to the Old Testament... And you look at what that actually means. In the Old Testament, they used jars of clay to store anything and everything of value. From, from oil, precious oil, to money, to um, baked goods, to grain, all the way up to the precious scriptures. If, if you go and you look, you, you see, watch sometimes, watch some history shows and realize that they start talking about where they found the scriptures. They found them in side pots, pottery, in caves, these amazing treasures. 
So when Paul says that we have treasure inside of us, these earthen vessels, he's talking about everything. He's talking about God residing inside mankind. What better treasure than that? But the Holy Spirit resides inside of us for more than just hanging out. He's searching our hearts. He's looking for the treasure in which he put inside of us to bring it our, to our attention so that we can live to the fullness that God has for us. So when Paul says that we are earthen vessels, like jars of clay, he's talking about us being something that protects something special, something eternal, something important, because that's what they did. That's what they did. They understood in that time that when Paul said we are jars of clay, we are in encasing of something that is treasure, that is important. Think about yourselves from this point on as something that is encasing a treasure. First and foremost, God's Holy Spirit. And I want to cultivate that thought process a little bit and talk about how difficult it can be when God tells you you have a treasure inside of you and how He will forewarn you in a way and say, this is what I've called you to do. I say forewarn because it's not just, hey, I, I, there's this amazing thing inside of you. Sometimes it's a warning because it's like, there's this amazing, amazing thing inside of you. Expect the enemy to try to pillage it. Expect the enemy to try to steal the treasure from you. Be on guard. Don't let the enemy take what has been put deep inside of you when I start to reveal it in my time. Satan loves to try to steal. It gets to be scary when we realize the purpose and the plan that God has for us. When Mary heard for the very first time that she would be the mother of Jesus, she didn't completely understand what that meant. Her mind was an Old Testament mentality. All that meant to her was this very, very, very most important thing to the Jewish culture was the Messiah would be the next King David. That he would come and that he would conquer and he would bring the Jews into the golden age of their existence. An everlasting kingdom. An everlasting throne God would put on earth for Jesus Christ, the next King David to reign from. So when the angel came to Mary and said, you are going to be the mother of Jesus, the Most High. To her, that was probably the most amazing thing that a woman of that time could hear from God that they were going to be the mother of the next King David. They were going to be the mother of something. And, and she hears this angel say, Most High God. That part didn't really make full sense to her. She's thinking, King David. I'm going to give birth to the next King David. Wait a minute. I'm going to give birth to the Son of God? And she didn't completely know how to process it. I'm here to tell you that when God opens up your heart to the treasure that is inside in each and every one of you, it doesn't make complete sense. Parts of it make sense, but there's parts of it that are overwhelming. It's like, does God really expect me to, to, to believe that I can be a millionaire for God's kingdom? Because I would waste that money. I would do something terrible with that money. I, wouldn't, I don't think that I could do it. You start to question if you're the right person for the job. I'm telling you right now, Mary questioned whether she was the right person for the job. And all she could say to God Almighty was this, May it be unto me as you have said. 
And right now, I'm telling you, the best thing that we can do from the starting point of when God says, I have a plan for you, here is my plan for you, is to say to him, may it be unto me as you have said. And every single time Satan tries to attack that plan and that place and that treasure, you need to turn around and say, God, may it be unto me at this very moment as you have said. May it be unto me as you have said, Almighty God. And if you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I want to read exactly what Mary did that makes me realize the importance of pulling forward the treasure that is inside of us and keeping it somewhere important. Not just letting it be. When God promises, we don't just let it be. Sometimes we toil with it. Sometimes we fight with it. Sometimes we're in complete harmony with the things that God has called us to do. We will go through stages. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, this is talking about the wise men coming and finding Jesus and the shepherds. This wasn't, I'm sorry, this wasn't the wise men. This was the shepherds. The shepherds here in the fields, they're working, they're doing their job. Angels come down and say, today, in this time, in a time such as this, your Savior is being born. In a manger, you're going to find him. He's the King of Kings, Emmanuel, God with us. And so they go, and it says in verse 16, it says, And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. So they basically say, we just had the most amazing experience. First of all, wow, you're having a baby in a manger. <laughs> I mean, what a surreal thing. that They get information. They get inside information about what God is doing from an angel. The first thing they do is they run to this manger, and lo and behold, what? it's true. There's a baby being born. And so the baby's born, and they say, listen, this angel just told us the craziest thing, that this child is the next King David that this child is God with us. And this is the first time that Mary is hearing this from someone else's lips other than her own family. She heard it from God the Father. She had confirmation when she went and visited her cousin Elizabeth. She had confirmation when Joseph had a dream about that this, everything was going to be fine. This was the first time that someone she did not know, someone that she... So they go and they find this child and they tell Mary, they say... This is God. This is the Almighty God. She's hearing it for the first time from an outside source. God told someone else something about her. Something that was going to happen for her. And make no mistake about it. Mary, we think about Mary as, oh, Mary was probably thinking, oh, I'm bringing in this for the whole world. No, this was hers. This was personal. This had personal importance to Mary. She did not look at Jesus as, I want to share Jesus with the world. She looked at Jesus as this is her firstborn son, her firstborn child. That's how she looked at Jesus. That's how she comprehended the Almighty God for the first time, through the eyes of a mother. We see Jesus through the eyes of a child, servant, friend, counselor, 
teacher. She saw him through the eyes of a mother. It didn't make sense to her. So in verse 17, when they say, this is, the, this is what we just heard about this child, in verse 18, it says, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherd. It says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She wasn't awe-stricken. She wondered. She treasured it. I'm here to tell you, you've all been given something, something amazing, a treasure. You may know what it is. You may not know what it is. You may have an inkling of what it is, and you're too afraid to say that that's the truth. People will come along, and they're not people that you know, and they will give you some type of confirmation that that is the truth. Every single time God talks to you about your promise, no matter who it's through, and it could be from the prophet of prophets, it could be from the lowly gas station person who comes out and washes your windshields. To me, is not a lowly person. If you're going to wash my windshields, more power to you. Please. They're filthy. And I don't make them any better. I don't know what it is. I can make a windshield worse by cleaning it. It doesn't get better. And I'll press the button and it just gets worse. It could be anybody that gives you this information. <clears throat> but I'm telling you right now, when God tells you through someone else the same thing that you already knew in your heart, ponder it. Treasure it. Plant it in your heart. That's what Mary did. She did it twice. If you read later on, there comes a point when Jesus is 12 years old and they're in the temple. And Jesus is doing what Jesus does. He's teaching. He's telling the wise men of the age the truth about the coming kingdom of God. He's telling them what comes next. And it says that he was teaching them in a way that made them completely astonished. And how does this child have this type of knowledge? How does this child understand the living God the way that this 12-year-old child does? And what does Mary do? She doesn't react like what we would expect. Oh, yeah, it's Jesus. He's doing, he's, he's doing what he does. He's being Jesus. Oh, there's my boy. I knew it. I knew he was Jesus. I knew he was going to be the Savior. 12 years old, man. 12 years old. And look at him already. He's doing what Jesus does. She freaked out because Jesus wasn't there. She acted like a mother would act. If you're a mom, if you're a mom or you're a dad, your 12-year-old goes missing, the first thing you do is think, someone stole my child. Someone stole my promise. Someone stole from me that which God told me was the most important person on the earth. So she goes back, and what does she do? She doesn't say, oh, Jesus, look at you. You little 12-year-old whippersnappers preaching the Word of God, and you're doing such a good job. She says, Jesus, what are you doing? You scared us. And Jesus says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? No, because she was the mom. She was the mom. She reacted like a mom would. And it says that she treasured it in her heart. It says at that point when Jesus said, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? She went back to that same place of, oh, he's God. He's the living God. Man, I'm going to ponder it for a minute. I'm going to treasure it in my heart. When you treasure something, when you have your treasure, and my children have treasure, they bury it in the backyard. Whoever buys our house next, they will find treasure in the backyard. They're little, 
rocks, their little glass rocks, their little things that were in the fish tank. They, they call them their treasure. I find them all over the place. I find them buried. Why? Because they're treasure. That's what you do with treasure, right? You bury it. Later on, you dig the treasure up. That's the purpose of treasure. That's what makes treasure, treasure. You take it out in the backyard and you can, you can bury it. In my parents' backyard, there are many treasures yet to be found. Things that we buried. Things that they find all the time. We buried the things that we liked the most. I don't know why we did it. Pocket knives, action figures. We find a nice place in the sandbox. We put them all in a cigar box and we bury them in there. It was treasure. Treasure is an amazing thing. It's something that in our faith, we don't always recognize what it actually is. Treasure, for us, is when God speaks to us His Word. When God gives us a truth about who we are and who He made us to be and what He put inside of us, that's a treasure to us. And we're just waiting for the time it gets dug up. Is anybody like me? You're just waiting for the time that all the things that have been buried inside of you are dug up so that you can start to look at them, feel them, touch them, taste them, be a part of them in the physical realm. Not just here. Not just here. But if we're ever going to get to that point, if we're ever going to get to the place where our treasure becomes reality, we have to recognize one thing. This treasure belongs to God. It is just as much a treasure to Him as it is to us. Think about that for a second. Ponder it. Treasure it in your heart, if you will. Our treasure is just as much a treasure to the Almighty God as it is to us. Jesse, do you have the clip ready to go? I want you to watch this clip because it, it touched me on many different levels. And, you know, I've read through this scripture, but I, I'd rather just show it. I'd rather just show you. And, and every time I watch it, it brings tears to my eyes. The adaptation that they did on Isaac and Abraham in the Bible series that they had on, the, I think it was Discovery or the History Channel. So go ahead and watch this and then we'll, we'll pick up from there. Abraham, 
not to me, Father. Isaac, you must trust in God. Abraham has passed the ultimate test. He will become the father of God's nation. Now it's up to Isaac. He will have a son called Jacob. God will rename him Israel. The promise of descendants as numerous as the stars is coming true. The promise that God would give him a land, that God would give him an heir, that God would give him something greater, that he would give him nations, a nation that would be more numerous than the sands of the sea, the stars in the sky. And you have to know, it didn't make sense to Abraham when God said, I want to sacrifice. And Abraham said, yes, Lord, I understand sacrifice perfectly. If you look through every single time God spoke to Abraham, he sacrificed. And if there's something that I hope that we know by this point is that when God speaks, we sacrifice. When God speaks, we give. We give more. When God tells us the direction in which we should go, we find a way to give. We find a way to outlet. We find a way to do something to show God our appreciation and our faith in that which he's asked us to do. Abraham understands sacrifice probably like no other. 
He sacrificed every single time God came to him. Every single time God spoke the best. He would give a bull. He would give whatever it would take. He would make a meal, a huge meal, a banquet meal for the living God to show God, I trust. I have communion with you, almighty God. And I am sacrificing unto you. So God says, Abraham, I need a sacrifice. Abraham says, Lord, what would you have me sacrifice? He says, I would have you sacrifice your one and only son. And I love the way that this is shown. I know that it's not completely accurate. I know that there's parts of it that, that aren't exactly how it happened. But one thing that did happen that I, that I kind of wonder in my heart of hearts is when Sarah realized that, that Abraham didn't take a lamb, what he was about to do. And it showed to me the seriousness of what was in Abraham's heart. That sacrificing that which he treasured the most was more important to him than fulfilling on earth what God told him he would fulfill. Because he knew God. He knew that if God said it, he would do it. He knew that if God said, I will give you an heir, it'll happen. And if you fast forward into the New Testament in Hebrews, it actually elaborates on what Abraham was thinking. Abraham actually believed in his heart that if he sacrificed Isaac on that mountaintop, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. That was how much he believed God to be true. But you've got to know that it wasn't going to be an easy thing. They had waited 99 years to have a child of their own. They tried to force hands God by having Abraham have a handmaiden have a child. That wasn't God's plan. It ended up being a big mess. A big mess that there's fights about to this very day in the world. We can get to the point where when our treasure becomes more important than sacrificing our treasure to the Almighty God, that we make mistakes. And God is gracious in those mistakes. But I'm telling you, your treasure is your biggest sacrifice. I'm not telling you to give up. I'm telling you to give it to God. Because your treasure is just as important to God as it is to you. Do you want to know what's going to take us to the next level? Is when we realize this one plain and simple truth. Sometimes we get to the point where we're like, God, where is this treasure that you promised? And we think in our heads because God is so big that the treasure must be minuscule to him. God, why can't you just come through with this one little thing? How many times have I said this to God? God, it's so little for you to, to handle this. It's so little to you to handle this situation. No. It's just as big to him as it is to us. He waits with anticipation to be able to experience the treasure that he has made for us with us. And the proof is this. Fast forward to the New Testament. What is the sacrifice? The sacrifice of Isaac. What was it? It was a picture of what God would do in sacrificing his one and only son to save many nations. To save us all. The best of the best, the worst of the worst. That's what it was. In Isaac, in that sacrifice, in that moment, laid every single hope of humanity. Jesus Christ, the lineage that would bring forth Jesus Christ was inside of Isaac. 
Before that, it was inside of Abraham. And after that, it was inside of Jacob. Sound familiar? Something inside being passed out? Treasure. But if you're going to see the fullness of it, you've got to let it go. You've got to be willing to let the treasure be what it is. God's most important thing. We feel so much that it's our only thing. Well, guess what? God feels the same way. It's his only thing. It's all he's concerned about at that moment, at that time. So what do we do when we see Jesus' cross? Or Jesus' cross? When we see Jesus hanging on that cross? When Mary stood there knowing not completely what was going on because she didn't completely understand. The disciples didn't understand even though Jesus told them, I'm going to raise from the dead in three days. Even though he told them and he told them and he told them, they didn't get it. She didn't get it either. She saw her promise dying. Her treasure dying. That was the point. That was the place where everything that she had treasured up from, that, from the beginning until that point came forth. And she remembered. Remember what the wise men said? That this is God. Remember what Elizabeth said? This is God. Remember what God told me? This is God. Remember everything that he did? And you start to remember all the things that God does for you. All the things that God did for you and all the things that he can and will do for you. Treasure. It's more valuable when you bury it. Archaeologists spend their whole life looking for ancient buried treasure. Jesus was treasure. He died. He was buried. He rose again. If you feel tonight that your treasure has been stolen from you, and if the band will go ahead and come on up, if you feel that your treasure has been pillaged, has been stolen, has been robbed, has been taken away from you in any way, shape, or form, I'm here to give you hope. It hasn't. It's been buried where it's been gaining equity unbelievable. Supernatural equity. Because when we give our treasure back to God, when Abraham gave Isaac to God and was willing to do what it took, it made his treasure something more. It made his treasure not just a child. It made God's promise supernatural. When Jesus sacrificed himself, the most precious treasure we'll ever know, and was buried, when he was resurrected, it was supernaturally. Every single one of our setbacks has been for one purpose, to make our treasure supernatural. Period. I leave you with this thought. Your treasure is more important to God than it is to you. Your treasure, seeing your treasure dug up and given to you in His way, in His time, and in His plan is more important to you in here. But it's more important to Him. I want it to be just as important to me as it is to Him. But I need to remember that I'm not begging him for, for pittance. I'm not begging him for, for chump change. When I'm at my worst, I'm basically saying, God, 
give me what you have for me. But remember, that treasure is more important to him than you think. It's not chump change. It's beautiful. It's amazing. We are earthen vessels, jars of clay. Inside of us lies treasure. And I'm going to finish with this verse in 2 Corinthians. And then if anybody wants prayer, I'm going to hang up here and pray for anybody that needs it while we worship our way out of here. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Almost there. And Corinthians is a short book. I keep going past it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. For as many as may be the promises of God, in Him they are yes, wherefore also by Him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Basically this. God's promises are many. But they're amen when they come through us. God's treasures are many. But they are amen when they're buried in us. God's promises are plentiful, but they're meaningless until they're dug up out of us, to us anyways. Lord God, right now I ask, dig the treasure out in your time, Lord God. Not a minute before, not a minute later. Just as Abraham, when he sacrificed, when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, you showed up not a minute too soon, lest his heart would not be laid bare before you and not too late, lest he would have had to have struck down his own son. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late, Lord God. Let us accept that and let us remember as we wait patiently for you to reveal the treasure that is inside of us, Lord God, that that treasure is not meaningless to you. It's just as important to you.